0: Many of us, as a kid, thumbing through a comic book could transport us to other worlds, flying through the universe at the speed of light, watching immortal enemies battling to the death, and some of us never grew out of it. Welcome to the Under the Mask Podcast. Where we discuss the super process behind superheroes. Not just superheroes, aliens, horror. Thrillers. If you can find it on a comics page, you can find it here. Here, you'll learn how to make comics. From the initial outlines, scripts, and artwork, to printing and putting the final book in a bag and board. For many years, Bill Cologne has written his book, Kinetic, and sold thousands of copies across the nation. And now we're inviting you along for an inside look to the comics process. If you're a fan of comic books, a total process junkie, or just looking for more insight into launching your own book, you're in the right place this is the under the mask podcast and this is bill Cologne. under the mask
1: podcast episode 24 i hope you enjoyed those four episodes talking to me and my creative team i had a lot of fun recording them but now let's get back to our regularly scheduled program Before we jump into today's program, I just wanted to thank all my backers of my Kickstarter. We successfully funded. The Kickstarter ended on the 12th, and we overfunded with $3,171 out of our $2,000 goal. So thank you. One of the reasons I'm bringing my guest on today is he was actually the graphic designer behind the Kickstarter site, and he has his own book live on Kickstarter right now. My guest today is a real renaissance man and a jack of all trades. He's a writer, a letterer, and also the co-publisher of Last Ember Press. His latest work, Celestial Falcon, is live on Kickstarter through September 21st. You can check it out at www.celestialfalcon.com slash KS2. I'd like to introduce Brant Fowler. Brant, thank you so much for coming out and talking with me.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Bill.
1: All right. Uh, Well, the first thing I do, like I do with uh, all my guests who come on the podcast, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Who are you, and how did you get to be here today?
2: Yeah, it's a it's a very long story, but I'll I'll try to truncate it down. But yeah, I mean, like most uh, creators, I've been a lifelong fan, and uh, I discovered comics really early on, around six or seven. Uh, I got into some Archie and all that kind of stuff, and uh, it kind of sparked my love for comics. Uh, I was a huge Spider-Man fan, and that kind of propelled it as well. Uh, In my teens, I think I I discovered Wizard magazine and saw people becoming creators. Like for some reason in my head, it was this elusive thing that couldn't be attained. And then then I'm reading articles about people being discovered and that kind of thing. And uh, so, yeah, that's where my passion really bloomed. And I actually wanted to be an artist. And I I would draw for 17 hours a day, uh, well into my uh, teens, early 20s. And uh, then I discovered writing uh, through a college teacher of mine and kind of fell in love with that and started my journey from there. Stumbled into lettering, uh, kind of made a career out of that for a, over a decade and a half. And uh, then we launched Last Number Press about five years ago and started publishing our own books. And uh, so, yeah, that's
1: that's how I got here. Uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit more about just how you got started writing. And it sounded like in college, a uh, it was in college, a, a professor there kind of got you into it. How did that happen? And uh, how did you get started publishing comics?
2: Yeah, so... I had never really considered myself a writer before that point. Like I said, I was uh, more into art and and music and that kind of thing. And uh, for whatever reason, she took took a liking to my writing and uh, started kind of mentoring me and trying to pull it out of me a little bit at a time and I ended up taking like three more English classes with her and uh, throughout college and she just uh, kept encouraging me and she actually uh, brought me into like a poetry club and I, I won an award through that and got my, my poems featured in, in the, in the college publication and, and things like that. And so uh, because of that and because of her, I, I fell in love with writing and just started writing from that point on. Started with poetry and kind of went into to prose and, and eventually comic scripting. And uh, yeah, so that um, I, I kind of dabbled here and there. I actually launched my first comic in about 2008, which was called Wannabes and uh, published a couple of issues of that. And um, we kind of I don't know, I, I just kind of let that one go <laughs> for a while and I focused on, on the lettering, uh, and design and that kind of thing. And I was, I was working with a website called comicrelated.com that's no longer around, but it was a, it was a, a comic news website that I, I co-owned and, and ran. And so I did that for a number of years and, uh, circle back to when I moved to Texas about five and a half, six years ago. Um, me and my my then girlfriend now wife, uh Lisa, she she came to me one day in uh, two thousand early two thousand fifteen. And, uh, said we were both kind of burnt out on, um, doing work for other people at that time. Uh, I had been lettering for, for years and she had been coloring for years and we were just wanting to do our own stuff. And, uh, she said, what if we start our own company? I'm like, sure, let's do it. <laughs> and uh, it was as easy as that. And, uh, we, we took a few months trying to get everything in, into order. We had a little bit of startup money at the time. So we, we just poured all that into, into our production and, uh, you know, along with a, a, a good friend. Friend of mine, we plotted out a few ideas, launched our first books in, in uh,
1: mid-2015 and uh, kept going from there. And we're going to swing back to talk about some of your books in just a little bit, but I wanted to focus on some other stuff that you do. Uh, you're publishing and also you do uh, web design. Uh, for those yeah. of you who don't know, my Kickstarter that just recently closed up, or is that uh, by the time this comes out, it's going to be in the very last days. Brant actually did the design for the Kickstarter page for that. Uh, how did you get started doing that? A lot
2: like lettering, I kind of fell into it a little bit. Um, I was lettering for, for a client. I was doing like a lot of books for him and he needed some graphics for his Kickstarter page. And this was about, I guess, about four years ago, three or four years ago so I I put together some graphics and I ended up doing all the graphics for his page. And then I kept doing more for, for this particular client. And, uh, from that I started building my own when I, when I finally went to Kickstarter in 20 late 2017 with my first campaign, uh, I designed my own and, and I guess it just kind of snowballed from there. Like a couple of people saw that I did that and started asking me to do theirs. And then I I actually started putting it out there that, Hey, I, I do Kickstarter page design and, uh, People just kept finding me. Before I knew it, I was having more work at times than I could handle. Uh, like for instance, right now, I think I have about nine pages I have to design in the next two months. <laughs> so I mean, it's it's really taken off for me, and uh, I you know, it's happy accidents, right? Very it's cool. fun. I, yeah, I enjoy doing it. It's I have a design background. I've been doing logo design and like you said, web design and that kind of thing for years and years. Um, and it's just, it, it allows me to uh, kind of explore that side of my creativity. And it's all still in the world of comics, which you know, I absolutely love working in. So, you know, win-win.
1: And uh, we talked about it a little bit with uh, you and your wife starting up your own company, uh, but yes. what made you start up Last Ember Press?
2: Yeah, uh, again, it was just this design to do our own stuff right because I I had been lettering at that point uh, since about 2002 so about 12 or 13 years I've been lettering and working for other people and uh, doing this and that I'd worked for just about every aspect of, of comic of the comic industry I'd, I'd been an editor, I'd been a journalist I had been a web designer a flatter uh, you know all you know you name it I've probably done it and uh, I was just kind of getting burnt out at that point and I was struggling with like, what do I do next? I really wanted to create my own stuff, but I had so many other responsibilities. And uh, Lisa was feeling the same way. At the time, she was coloring for Boom Studios and and other places. And um, she, uh, while we both love what we do and love working in the industry, we were just we had that itch to do our own stuff. And so the idea came to came about to do that, and we just kind of jumped on it, and we kind of wrapped up what we had on our plate at that time so we could focus some of our energies into creating our own books. And uh, funny enough, it wasn't even our books that we first published. It was my a good friend of mine because mine and Lisa's books took a little bit longer in the production side of things to get ready. Uh, so we actually launched Last Number Press with two books from my my good friend and then Lisa's came next and then mine came uh, later in that year or the next year. Uh, but yeah, it was just out of that desire to put our own work out there.
1: Is there any significance behind the name last Ember? You know, it, it's, a. Uh... <sighs>
2: It's one of those things where we were trying to figure out a name and we went through like you normally do when you're naming, when you're coming up with titles for things. We had a long list of different names and buzzwords and that kind of thing and and just trying to find something that clicked. And uh, we started going down the path of, you know, let's name it with the thought that we were going to eventually end up in diamond or or whatever. Uh, Let's start it with like A or B or something. So it's at the top of the list, right? You know, that's what everybody tries to do and uh, we just couldn't come up with anything that hadn't been taken that sounded good to us. And I started thinking of fire because one of the meanings for my first name is uh, actually firebrand. Uh, it's kind of the origin of where Brandt comes from. And I I started thinking about that and we started looking up synonyms for fire and and we stumbled upon Ember and it sounded kind of cool. And uh, I think it was my friend John Wilson that actually said last Ember. And then I I added the press and that's kind of where it came from. And uh, it, it all kind of fit together. Um, there's a story about where the character of The Last Ember comes from as well, where I was designing the logo for the company and the flame design that we we have. And when Lisa saw it, she was like, oh, that's cool. There's a girl inside the flame. Did you do that on purpose? And as much as I'd love to take credit for that, I was like, ah, no, I didn't do it on purpose. But you know what? I'm going to go with it. And it it kind of sparked the creation of, yeah, no pun intended, uh, sparked the creation of the actual character Ember. Uh, So that logo actually came first. And then we decided we were going to create this character and make that kind of the mascot of the company. And then we plotted out what the actual story was for Ember after that. So
1: yeah, that's one of those uh, happy little accidents. Yeah, absolutely. I I (laughs) tend to have a lot of those. (laughs) While your first published works were actually done by your good buddy, uh, probably the flagship title for your publishing company is your series, The Last Ember, appropriately named. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that series.
2: So The Last Ember is about a, a teenage girl who develops these fire powers and she eventually finds out that she is the last of the fire goddesses. And at the beginning of the story, there's a flashback to like medieval times where you see another character that has a very similar origin, very similar powers. And that kind of plays into the mythology that leads up to where Ember is headed. But Ember is in modern day times, uh, set in Ocean City, Maryland. We wanted to have like a a boardwalk city. So that was a really cool uh, location that we wanted to base it in. And uh, her journey is all about discovering who she is, why she has these abilities and why people are trying to destroy her. Uh, There's uh, someone hunting people like her and there's other mystery figures that are kind of watching her from, from the shadows and she has no idea any of this is going on around her. All she knows is she has these abilities. She feels like a freak. She doesn't know. She doesn't understand anything about it, anything about um, what her purpose is in life now. And uh, as the series unfolds, we learn more about that this is kind of a, a family uh, family affair, that there's history in her bloodline with uh, with this happening before, and, and she's been shielded from it by her parents that didn't want her to follow along this path. And now, of course, she has no, no choice because she has these abilities and uh, has to figure out what to do with them.
1: And we'll come back to this point in just a little bit, but I wanted to say real quick that I really am envious of you and a lot of small publishers who I see doing multiple stories, multiple titles. When I started first doing Y comics, I said, you know, we're going to have four titles. We're going to, they're all going to be ongoing. It's all going to get to it. But there's so much that goes into doing a book that eventually I just decided to do the one core series. And I feel sometimes like I'm treading water just doing one series. When I see other people like you who are doing multiple series and publishing them out there, and uh, just wanted to say interject that in real quick.
2: But I, I appreciate that. And sometimes I, I envy creators like you that get to just focus on that one series. So uh, it it can be a, it can be a challenge juggling um, different series, especially when you're writing multiple series. Uh, like I'm, I'm co-writing Celestial Falcon and writing The Last Ember, and uh, I, I do lettering and editing for The Secrets of Willow Mist and uh, pneumatic cases. So it's, I'm, I'm kind of spread a little bit thinner than I would prefer, but I, I really appreciate that. Uh, it's, uh, it's fun Kind of because you get to stretch different muscles and we're dipping into slightly different genres and that kind of thing. So you're not constantly uh, in the one thing. You get to kind of go outside that and do something else for a little bit.
1: I always like to say it's a lot of fun, but it's also a lot of work. Yes. All right, and uh, just because you brought it up, your latest release, Celestial Falcon, is live on Kickstarter right now. Uh, yes, why don't is. you tell us a little bit more about
2: it? Yeah, so Celestial Falcon uh, again—it's a coming-of-age story. I, I tend to, to gravitate towards those kind of stories, just because I—I I, I feel those are those are like really powerful stories when you have somebody that's at that age where they're trying to figure out life, and uh, then they, you you throw all this this new stuff in them, and it probably stems from my love of Spider-Man because it's very much that kind of story. Uh, But Celestial Falcon is about a a teenager named Chris and his group of friends who suddenly are in, imbued with these these abilities they're they're gifted them and and they don't know why they were gifted these abilities or what their purpose is again very much like Last Ember but uh the difference is this is more of a superhero tale and it's when you get down to the core of it chris is the main character of, of this story and there's something special about him and he's always felt like he was special but he never knew why or what that special feeling was supposed to be and in this second issue that we have live on Kickstarter right now, we learn all those secrets. We learn why he was chosen. We learn where his powers come from. Uh, we learn about the history of his uh, particular family and, and his background. And uh, we learn um, about this world, uh, this huge threat that is uh, kind of seeking to destroy the world and kind of take it over. And it, it kind of delves into some supernatural uh, elements. I, I have to be careful with my words because my co-writer, Chris, he's, he's always wanting me to not give certain things away. And it's very hard to, to talk about this. Once the uh, people read this issue, they'll understand why. But uh, we do re- uh, reveal in the uh, preview pages that we have up that there are actually demons uh, that come into play. And that kind of gives a hint as to where Chris's powers may come from. Um, if his enemies are demons and that's all I'm going to say about that, but, uh, it's, it's something, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little twist on, on the superhero, um, genre because it's not just straight up. Oh, I got these here, these powers through like a, you no know, radioactive bite or a chemical spill or whatever. It's, it's something a little bit more supernatural than that. Hence the name celestial falcon. Yeah, so that's this whole story is about his journey on discovering that and discovering his purpose in fighting this this threat and how it ties into these millennium old uh, wars that have been raging on behind the scenes.
1: What was the inspiration behind Celestial Falcon? So Celestial Falcon has been kind of the passion project of,
2: of my co-writer Chris since he was about 15. It's, it's one of those that, you know, it's just a story that has stuck with him for decades now. And, uh, <clears throat> well, I say decades, about a decade and a half or so uh, for him. And uh, it's kind of, uh, it's loosely, very loosely based on his own life and experiences where uh, he, he originally, the original version of the story before I came on as co-writer, he had casted like a bunch of his group of friends and family as characters in the story. And it was, it's kind of a vast exaggeration on his life. And kind of delving into some of the dreams that he had for for himself, like if he became a superhero, where would that come from? And so when I came on board as as a co-writer, we kind of wanted to retool it, modernize it, uh, bring it up to speed and kind of change a few things that weren't quite working and and kind of make them more uh, relatable to a general audience. So we kind of expanded on his original idea and kind of brought in other characters, changed a few and uh, kind of expanded his his world viewpoint at that because he wrote this the original version when he was 15 and obviously he's had many more experiences and i've got to pour some of my experiences into it as well um there's a character the character of chris's best friend brock kind of has some of my characteristics a little bit uh, because chris and i are best friends uh and so we wanted to kind of have that dynamic a little bit and i i want to stress that this, it's much more than a vanity project that started out that way i think for chris and over the the past few years that we we've been working on and we've kind of worked to remove that element of it even though there are similarities um, we definitely wanted to Give the characters lives of their own and uh, kind of embellish a little bit of, of that. And yeah, I think it just again stems from some of his uh, some of his both personal experiences and religious experiences and kind of things like that that kind of pour into the the overall story of it. Yeah,
1: and I think as writers, we're always putting a little bit of ourselves in our characters and in our plots.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's the same kind of thing. And I, I think for Chris, he always he's always Always had a desire to, to help people and and do something positive in the world and bring bring hope into the world and that's kind of one of his mantras. His favorite character uh, superhero is uh, Superman and for those reasons that he brings that hope and and you know just uh, goodness into the world and I, I think that's a lot of where Celestial Falcon stems from. It's it's the transition from a teenager that doesn't really know his place in the world to becoming that beacon of hope.
1: Now, you and Chris are co-writers. Yes. And uh, just before we get to how uh, the rest of the art team, uh, did you find Chris? Did he find you? How did that work out?
2: Yeah, so actually Lisa found Chris. Uh, <laughs> it was about, I guess, about seven or eight years ago. Um, Lisa was watching, uh, Chris is a YouTuber and he he does like a, he has a comic book channel and uh, she would watch his, his comic review every week and she kept trying to get me uh, to watch him. And I, I eventually finally watched one of his videos and we got, Chris and I got to chatting in the comment and uh, it kind of went from there. We became friends, uh, we connected on certain levels and he actually invited me onto his show so yeah, he he invited me onto his live show and I actually became part of the cast of his, of his live show and uh we we kind of connected on that level and we've been doing that for about seven years now. And uh so we became friends through that. So when I launched uh when Lisa and I launched Last Summer Press, uh he automatically, you know, immediately came to me and was like, Hey, I've got this story. You wanna do it? And you know, I, he'd sent me all the all the scripts and material he had on it, and uh I, I read through it and I was like, There's something here. We we this is this is pretty cool. And uh, so we we decided to publish it. But at the time, it was just going to be Chris writing it. And I was editing uh, the script of, at the time. And we went back and forth. Uh, there were certain things he didn't want to change and certain things. I was like, no, this needs to change. So we we kind of butted heads a little bit at the beginning of the process. Uh, but eventually, he was like,
1: you just want to co-write it with me?
2: <laughs> and uh, i was like sure <laughs> so uh, yeah so that's kind of how it how it worked out
1: and what's it like working with chris as a co-writer um it sounds like kind of he had the original rough idea and then you helped refine it a little bit but he helped refine it as well uh, what's the co-writing process like
2: yeah so so it, it kind of evolved like the first issue we were both new to co-writing uh, neither one of us had ever co-written anything before so it was kind of we, we were kind of stumbling in the dark track trying trying to figure out how that exactly worked. And I think eventually we we settled on, he would write a little bit and uh, then I would would kind of give him feedback and then I would write a little bit and he'd give me feedback. We were watching each other kind of write and, and plot things out so uh, that's how we did it the first issue and then we we kind of found out that that wasn't quite working as well for us so with the second issue we would get on chats and we would kind of write it together we would have this like outline of of the page and then we would one of us would be the uh the, the person that like actually typing it out and the other one would be kind of like uh speaking the dialogue and we would kind of go work it back and forth and that kind of worked a little bit better for us uh sometimes we still do the okay, I've got an idea. I'm going to just write it down uh, and then run it by you. And then we'll get on a a voice chat and kind of work through that. Um, so that's kind of how our process works now. It's uh, very um, fluid, I guess. I don't know what the, the proper term would be for that. But uh, it, it's an interesting process. It, it's We usually like set aside an hour and we're like, okay, we're, we're just going to spend an hour, get through like five pages, and we end up talking for like three hours and we'll get through like six or seven pages <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. chat about life in the process. So, you know.
1: Now, are you guys doing this all on the computer or do you ever write anything uh, freehand now? For this one, we it's mostly on the
2: computer. I, I think Chris might do some of his freehand. Uh, I don't write freehand that often anymore. Almost everything I do is in uh, Google Docs or Microsoft Word or you know some other program like that. I just for for me and I, it, it's something that I've gotten advice like to to go back to the to the analog and just kind of take a tablet somewhere and, and start writing. I haven't yet because i'm the kind of writer when i when i sit down at the computer and i actually get into a flow i can sit there and knock out 10 15 pages in one sitting and it's just i I guess it's different for everybody but yeah i I think chris might do some of the freehand stuff but i'm i'm mostly kind of like married to my computer
1: All right. Um, well, we've talked about you and Chris for a little while now. Um, how did you assemble the rest of your art team? So we did, uh, actually Lisa
2: is really good at finding really good artists. So she kind of scoured, I believe it was DeviantArt, um, which is a, you know, a website where a tons of artists post their, post their work and everything. And uh, I think that's how she found Lucas. She was looking through uh, different galleries and portfolios and things. She stumbled upon Lucas. And we actually like bookmarked a whole bunch of artists and contacted a bunch of people for the rates. And uh, eventually later, years later, we we got smart and started putting out ads and let people come to us. But uh, at that time, headhunting, I, I, I suppose is a good term for it. And uh, we found Lucas and we showed Chris. Lucas's art and he, he, he dug it. So we, uh, we worked out a deal with Lucas and, and brought him on board and he's, he's stayed with us for, for both issues so far. Uh, has vastly improved since issue one. I think, um, he's grown so much as an artist and he just continues to grow. Uh, he's actually got a Spider-Man fan comic out there. So he really gets our scripts, even though there's, there's a slight language barrier. He's from, uh, Brazil. He, he, he is really, uh, good at, um, translating what we want on the page onto the page. We ha- have had very few corrections needed from Lucas. Uh, so he's been fantastic to work with and, and he loves working on Celestial Falcon. Last issue, Lisa colored the book and I lettered the books. This issue, um, we're in a different place. We were starting to expand and work with more creators on our books. So this was the, uh, this was the first project that we sought outside colorists and letterers for. So we put out an ad in a, in a Facebook group, actually. Uh, I think it's, um, I don't remember the exact name of the color the, of the Facebook group. So we put on that, and we got like two hundred responses, and we went through we we narrowed it down to like five or six people uh we had we paid for a couple of test pages from from a couple of colorists and uh, we settled on uh our colors for this uh book Namesh Merji he turned in some really. Nice pages for us. And, uh, so far he's, he's been stellar to work with, uh, has done amazing work. Um, he's really making the pages pop. Uh, Lucas likes it. And, and the cool thing about this team and. Um, I, they're constantly tweeting and Instagram posting and, and Facebook sharing and all that. And I, I didn't ask them to do this. They're just doing it of their own will, which I think is really awesome. Uh, and you don't see that a whole lot. So I, I just have to, to praise our, our team completely for that. So with lettering, I'm I'm very protective. You know, like I said, I've been lettering for for over a decade and a half, and uh, I, I'm I'm very picky, <laughs> and I, I want my lettering to look really good and, and everything. So last issue, we did a backup story, and I I knew that uh you know Clay Adams, we both know Clay Adams, and uh, I've, I've become friends with him uh, of late, and I, I tried him out on the on a backup story because I knew he was trying to get into lettering taking a comics experience course and he was trying to get, you know, dip his toes into that pond and, and get more work and everything. So I was like, you know what, I'll, I'm going to try him out on this backup story. So he did this backup story for us. So when it was time to do issue two, because we we were really pleased with the backup story and I, I decided that I was going to step aside not letter this issue. I reached out to Clay again. I was like, do you, you know, can you letter this, these preview pages for the Kickstarter for me? And, uh, he did that. And his, uh, again, he's another creator that has improved so much, uh, just from that backup story from issue one to now his lettering has gone leaps and bounds. Um, and I, I, I can totally see him just getting better and better. And so once we saw those preview pages, I was like, you, you just want to letter the issue, uh, come on board and letter the whole issue in the series. He was very happy uh, to come on board. So that's how we got this team together.
1: Yeah, I definitely feel like uh, Clay has an aptitude to do a lot. And I think he'll be successful at anything he puts his mind to, uh, whether that be lettering or writing or art or what have you. I completely agree. So publishing your own books... Uh, What mistakes or pitfalls do you have to look out for? Uh, But also I want you to think a little bit and talk about uh, the upside of publishing yourself.
2: So yeah, the, uh, the pitfalls, you have these big ideas when you decide to publish and uh, if you're not careful, everything can get away from you. You can try to do too much too quick and either you grow too fast or it's too much for you to handle. And it can be it, it can be a detriment it can bring you on the brink of throwing in the towel at, if you're not careful, like you uh, mentioned earlier, we had this idea of doing these these four or five books and uh you know making them all ongoing and going the the whole route, trying to maybe not monthly, but you know trying to get them on a regular schedule and we learned really quickly uh a how much work that is b how much money that costs and See how hard that is to maintain when you're just getting started. And uh, we fortunately for us, we, we did learn that lesson very early on. And we kind of slowly, gradually scaled back and, and decided to turn certain things in the series instead of ongoing and, and to slow down and focus on our main series and that kind of thing. Um, also, just do your research on what everything costs, because even if you think you have a good idea, you don't, <laughs> you know, you know, how, how expensive creating comics is. And if you, if you're not like a all in one, you do it all yourself kind of creator. If you have to work with uh, art teams and everything and with the printing costs and, and, all of that it just it gets really expensive really fast so just be careful with all that but the upside is you have complete creative control of everything you do you decide what you work on when you work on it how much you want to put into it uh you know the quality level um is all up to you and the the sky really is the limit if you can put the time the money and the effort into it and build your audience and build your fan base and build your product up to the to the quality level that you want it you really can't do anything with it so i mean it's a uh it's a long, hard road and it's nothing comes easy. But if you're passionate about it, it's so rewarding to, to do your own thing.
1: What does the future hold for Celestial Falcon? Celestial Falcon um, is an ongoing
2: series. I think it's like five issues and then we take a break and then come back with another arc there's things we have in store in the future if Celestial Falcon takes off we continue going forward with it you know a couple arcs down the road or whatever there are other titles there are spin-offs and other characters that we plan on introducing that kind of fill Chris's shared universe so yeah that that's kind of where the story is taking us uh there's a in the future chris goes off to college in the near future chris goes off to college meets a whole another set of 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 friends and supporting characters and uh we we just
1: kind of plan on building it gradually and slowly and seeing where it goes Brant, what have been the biggest obstacles or challenges that you've overcome?
2: Personally, it, it's like that, that self-doubt kind of thing, uh, that your your stuff isn't good enough. Um, that's something that, that I struggle with from time to time. I think, you know, as creative types, uh, it's kind of ingrained in us. <laughs> so that's uh, that's been something that uh, that's probably been my per- biggest personal obstacle as far as like the business side of things. Those times where... It doesn't quite work out with creators you're working out, working with. Uh, to put it as nicely as I possibly can, it just sometimes things don't work out the way that you hope and plan, and then you kind of have to start from scratch.
1: And following up on that, what has been the biggest mistake you've made in your creative career? Oh wow! <laughs> um, honestly, um, undervaluing my own skills, honestly. Uh, care to elaborate on that? Was there a specific yeah. moment that you said you needed to value yourself more?
2: Uh, no, no specific moment. It's just over the years, like as, as you grow as a creator and as you grow with your skill set and everything and you, you see um, other like, like, okay, specifically with lettering. I am, I know like a bunch of different letters at various different levels. Uh, you know, some that work with the mainstream, some indie level, whatever. Uh, and I've constantly been told by my people, Years that I don't charge enough for one, um, and over the years I've, I've gradually increased my rates to match my skill set. But for a number of years early on, I just I didn't. Whether it was a fear of not getting the job by by you know pitching a too high of a rate or whatever uh, that kind of thing. So I, I feel like. Um, in the long run, I probably um, I might have gotten some a lot more lower paying jobs, but I probably didn't value myself high enough to get those higher tier jobs, if that makes sense. It's it's one of those things that you look back on and you're like, OK, if if I don't value myself, then others won't value me either. You know what I mean? So I, I think throughout my my career, that's been my my biggest mistake.
1: We've kind of dwelled on the negative a bit here, uh, so I want to flip the script and ask you: What was your best moment in your creative career so far?
2: Um, I honestly, when we launched the uh, the very first campaign on Kickstarter that we did, it was for my book, The Last Number, and it we, we went for a higher goal uh, for our first Kickstarter. We asked for thirty five hundred, which. Uh, I, I think that's the highest we've asked and it's the current Kickstarter we have right now, we're asking for that same amount. But uh, we exceeded that and uh, we got really close to our first stretch goal. So that was kind of uh it, w- it was kind of a humbling moment. I also had 200 backers on that campaign and it was my very first Kickstarter campaign. Um, so as a publisher and and as a writer, it was That feeling of people actually like what I do and they want to see more of it. And that was a cool feeling for me, both as a writer and a publisher, that I created this thing that people wanted to support and wanted to see uh, brought into the world. And it was my thing. And that was just really awesome for me.
1: And, Brant, good news. That was the last, like, hard question for you. The first two issues of Celestial Falcon are live on Kickstarter. You can get them right now at www.celestialfalcon.com slash KS2. Brant, where else can we find you online? You can find me at lastemberpress.com and uh, social
2: media at lastemberpress or at Brant Fowler. Hey, well, Brant, thank you so much for coming on and talking with me today. Absolutely, and thank you so much for having
1: me if you know a creator that makes comic books or any other media and think they'd be a good fit for the show drop us a line
0: at under the show at gmail.com you've been listening to the under the mask podcast with bill Colomb. welcome to the family If you're a fan of comic books, a total process junkie, or just looking for more insight into launching your own book, you found the right podcast for you. Thanks for listening, and make sure to like or leave a review. And we'd appreciate it if you'd tell a friend or two. To reach out, visit us at underthemaskpodcast.com. This has been a presentation of Why Comics. Till next time, this is the Under the Mask Podcast. Signing off.